Hi, welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he's doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Numbers 13 verse 1, it says this. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land. Somebody say, spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, everyone, a leader among them. Then Moses, from verse 17, then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up for this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. So he said, hey, go see what it's like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We declare what a mighty God you are. God, the angels at this moment are bowing and worshiping you. Heaven adores you. And God, to think that the creator of the universe desires to know us, to spend time with us, God, we are overwhelmed by your presence. God, we pray in this moment that you would heal bodies, God, that you would speak to each and every one of us. Take us one step closer to the destiny that you have for us. God, we're grateful. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Hey, find two people, tell somebody, let's go back to the jungle. Come on, tell somebody, tell somebody, tell somebody, elbow somebody. Tell them, we're going back, we're going back. We started a series last week called Back to the Jungle, talking about romance and love and dating and marriage and sex and all this other kind of stuff that you probably shouldn't be talking about in church but it's mentioned in the first three chapters of the Bible, so it might as well be a part of hearing God's wisdom for our lives. By the way, next Sunday is gonna be off the chain, the most beautiful person on the planet, in my opinion, and I'm not biased in the least bit, but my very own wife, Zai Chandler, is gonna be preaching next Sunday. She preaches a few times a year, but every time we get to a relationship series, she says, Stephen, I'm preaching because I got to hold it down for the ladies and I got to clean up all those stories that you tell. You know, every, to every story, there's three versions of it. There's his version, there's her version, and then there's a truth somewhere in between there. So she'll tell you all the stories about the amazing first date and how it was just love at first sight. I just swept her off her feet and that's my story and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Last week, we talked about how we don't need to be searching for the right one. We need to be focused on becoming the right one. So often we're infatuated about making our spouse better instead of worrying about what God is doing in our lives. Or if you're single, we're focused on finding the right person instead of becoming the right person. By the way, if you missed that message, or if you missed any message, they're all free online. Just go to YouTube, click Destiny Church, and you can see every message uploaded on Monday and you can keep up. So last week, we were talking about how not to search for the right one. Today's message, I wanna preach a message on how to search for the right one. 
I love doing that. The title of today's message is Promised Not Guaranteed. Just because God has custom made the right person for you, there's no guarantee that you're going to find them. Wow, pastor, that's really encouraging. Well, I'll prove it to you in the Bible. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. Somebody say yes. yes. In Christ. And so through him, the amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Is spoken by us to the glory of God. So Paul, the writer of 2 Corinthians said, hey, God has made a lot of promises and they're all yes. God has promised that he would never leave us. God's promised that he would heal our bodies. God's promised that he would provide for us. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God promised that our gifts will bring us before important people. He said that he's going to open doors that no man can shut. He's going to shut doors that no man can open. God has made so many promises. He said they are yes in him, but the amen is spoken by us. What does that mean? Amen means I want that. It literally means let it be according to your word. Let it come to pass in my life. In other words, just because God promised something doesn't mean it's going to come to pass until we come into agreement with the promise that he's made. Until we not just say with our mouths, but set up our lives. I want all that God, you guys are looking at me like you don't believe me. So let's, can we just talk plain? He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Somebody say amen. Amen. So if God's Jehovah Jireh, our provider, it means every Christian should never lack anything. Hmm? Is he not good at providing? No, he's perfect at it. Then why do we have lack in our life sometimes? Because we don't know how to come into alignment to set our lives up for the amen. Somebody say amen. Y'all are staring your amen, so I'm just going to stick right here just for a second. Let's hang out with the finances thing. There's three things that I need to do to come into alignment with God providing for all my needs. Amen? Amen. The first thing is tithing, giving God the first 10% of my income. But watch that. That's one of three. Why am I talking about money on a relationship series? I don't know, but they're staring their amen, so I'm going to keep it going. Huh? And there's a lot of people who tithe, they give the first 10% of their income and they still lack. I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're staring. And here's the problem, when we don't know God's word, cynicism begins to set in our heart. Well, I did what the preacher said to do and I'm not seeing the promises come to God, so it's all a scam anyway. No, 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 that was one of three. The second thing he said is that we have to be a good steward of what we have, that we have to live on less than we make, live off of a budget, not to waste and get into debt and all that other kind of stuff. Somebody say two out of three. three. Well, if I do two or three, am I going to prosper? Not necessarily, because there's another thing that we have to do to come into alignment, and that's to be generous, not to live for our own selfish desires, but to look how we can be a blessing to other people. That's how I come into alignment with the promise that God has for me. Hear me, just like money, it is in relationships. There are things that I have to do. I can't just say amen. I actually have to bring my life into alignment with the truth of God's word. That's why we come to church every single Sunday to learn what's a new truth that I can bring into my life that will closer align me to the promises that God has for me. Statistics show 
that 52% of marriages end in divorce. Ouch. It's a 52% failure rate. The heartbreaking thing is the numbers are the same in the church as they are outside of the church. Now, here's the thing. God created marriage. And everything God created is good. Do you really think God would create something for us that only has a 48% chance of working out? Not at all. What's the problem? The problem is we're not applying his principles to our life. Can I give you some good news? You have a 100% chance of success in marriage when you do it God's way. The issue is we don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out God's way, saying, man, if you would just get my principles to align your life with my word, you will see it come to pass exactly the way that I promised. Today, I want to set you up. Today, I want to teach you how to date right. Last week, we talked about how to be the right person. This week, I want to teach you about how to find the right person. One of my favorite people actually mentioned about Kobe Bryant about two weeks ago. One of my favorite quotes from him, he said, I don't worry about championships. He said, championships are not my concern. Dominating practice is my concern. He said, because if I dominate this practice and the next practice and the next practice, then I know I'm going to dominate the game. And if I dominate enough games, I know championships are just a byproduct of dominating practice. If I practice right, everything else will take care of itself. Dating is practice for the future that we want. And if we don't practice right or we don't even know how to practice, then what kind of future do you think that we're going to have when it's no longer practice, but it's for keeps? It's forever till death do us part. Now, some of you are in this room like, well, pastor, I don't know why I'm here this Sunday. I mean, you're going to talk to all the singles. And I'm great, but I've been married for 15 years. I don't need to hear about dating. I'm good. Well, here's the thing. Professionals practice more than amateurs do. Oh, he's preaching already. I call myself a golfer. I don't really play golf. I'm more just hit the ball and spend the next three hours trying to find it in the woods because I'm too cheap to leave it. <laughs> but I enjoy golf, but I'm, I'm an amateur. I play, you know, every other week when it's good weather or whatever it may be. Professionals play every single day. I was actually in West Palm Beach this week, and I found out that 50% of golfers that are on the PGA Tour all live in that Jupiter, West Palm Beach area because it's the best weather to practice every single day. They've picked their home based on where they can practice the most because pros know the better I practice, the better I perform in the professional realm. Some of the issues that we're facing in our marriage is because we never learn how to date. That's, thank you. That's a good amen. They all missed it. You're hearing from God right now. Come on now. And we've bought the misconception that dating stops when I say I do. I'm having fun right now. Pastor, you got, you got about 80% of the room, but I'm not single. I'm not married. I'm past marriage. Maybe I'm divorced and not looking to get married or, or widowed or whatever, maybe. What does this have to do with me? Well, here's what I've discovered. The same way you date, the same way you build a healthy marriage is the same way that you grow in your relationship with God. So no matter, did I, uh, equal opportunity, got everybody now? Can we preach now? All right, cool, do your favor. Pull out your notes, pull out your notes. And I'm going to give you just three, just three quick thoughts. 
The first step to dating, the first step to building or rebuilding a marriage, the first step to growing in your relationship with God is this. Spy out the land. Spy out the land. God says to Israel, he said, I have this land, Canaan, that I've promised you. It's flowing with milk and honey. I've given you everything that you need. And then watch this. God said, go check it out for yourself. Go spy out the land. God told them, go see if there's milk and honey, if it's rich or if it's poor, if there's forest, if there's kids. Go. This is what God said. He said, fact check me. He said, I custom made a land for you. I've custom made a spouse for you. I've custom made a relationship with you. But before you jump in, go spy it out and make sure it's what I promised you. The first step of dating is actually not dating. The first step of dating is observing someone in what I call their natural habitat. You ever watch Animal Planet, see Crocodile Dundee or one of those, oh, Crocky May. Shh, be very, very quiet. Or coming up on a six-footer here. Don't disturb them. As long as they don't notice, we can see them in, in their natural habitat as they go through the mating ritual. <laughs> he's, he's dramatic. But what are they saying? They're saying, hey, I want to see them in their own environment because as long as I see them in their own environment, I'll begin to see who they really are. Can I tell you what happened the time you have the first date? As soon as you go out on a date, everyone is instantly lying. <laughs> Pastor, I'm not a liar. I don't date liars. I don't know who you're talking. You're lying. You're lying. I lied. <laughs> what do you mean? The second you brushed your teeth this morning, you lied. You and all that minty breath, that's not the natural you. That's not who you really are. I want to see who you really are, funk and all. No, we do it every day. We get dressed, we brush our hair, we put our best foot forward because we want to manage people's perception of us. When you're dating somebody, trust me, just take my word for it, they are managing your perception of them. Come on now. When you call them and they're up in their anger and they're just frustrated and they don't want you to see that side of you, they're not going to pick up the phone. I need, I need to pull this all together for a second and then I'll, how's it going? I don't know, they were just punching holes in the wall at their house. They're mad. You need to learn to observe somebody and this is why you need to get out in groups. It's not, hey, what you doing on Friday? Want to go out? Want to come by the spot? No. Let's go bowling with 20 people. Come on, I'm preaching right now. Let's get around some other people so I can observe you. I believe the best way to, to spy out the land is to go through their social media. It's not, it's not stalking, it's just spying. Now, I have to tell you, I was not very good at this when I was interested in Zion. Many of you may not know this, but I actually planted the church when I was single. It is not a good idea to be a single preacher. I would not wish it on my worst enemy. I'll tell you, oh, the Lord done told me. Let me tell you nothing. Get out of my face. <laughs> but anyway, as soon as I came in, I mean, I don't know if it was love at first sight, but it was definitely like, oh my gosh, at first sight. And I'm like scrolling through it. I'm like three years into her pictures. You know you a stalker when you just giving them the whole full fling. But let me, let me just help you. Don't be as bad as I was. I got too excited scrolling and I double clicked. 
like four years in. And Instagram, if you're watching, can you give us a way to erase our likes? Even when you unlike it, it still shows up. You're busted for life. But you need to spend some time observing that other person before you could commit to them. Here's why. Because many of us, we find out things three weeks or three months into dating. Come on now. That if you had just done your homework, you could have figured it out before you spent any money. (laughs) Before you wasted any of your time. Before you put your heart out there. Can I talk a little bit? There is nowhere in the Bible where it says don't break somebody else's heart. Now, you shouldn't intentionally break another person's heart, but the Bible doesn't even mention. You know what the Bible says? It says guard your own heart. It says your heart is your responsibility. And before you just go out handing your heart, I, I, I got to see if you're crazy. There's a lot of them running around, and I'm just going to guard my heart before I get myself out there. Can I give you some specific things to look at? You need to look, how do they treat people that they don't need? Don't miss that last part. How I treat people that can open doors for me says nothing about me. If I honor people that could connect me to this person or open this door and all, all it means is I'm ambitious. But how do I treat people that they can't do anything? Can I, can I talk to you a little bit, fellas? How does she treat the guy that she's not interested in? How does she curb him? Come on, talk to me. Does she continue to take gifts from him and string him along? Come on up. How does he treat the girl that he's not interested in? Does he keep her around and call her her home? That's, oh, that's my home girl. I got two home girls. They grew up in my home. Stephanie Chandler and Jasmine Chandler, my sisters. I ain't got no other home girls. What, what's their interaction with the opposite sex? Can I? We're going to have fun today. Somebody came up to me after last Sunday. Pastor, after last Sunday's message, I broke up with my girl, man. I mean, I, thank you. <laughs> After this series, there's going to be some breakups and there's going to be some people that start dating and it's all healthy. It's all good. (laughs) If she has a bunch of guys that are hovering around her, it is an indication of an unhealthy heart. I find my affirmation in the attention of other people and I don't want to date them, but I like their attention. That is somebody that you don't want to mess with. If he has a whole bunch of, oh, she's just my best friend, but we cool. Watch this. Somebody say, spy out the land. Me and Zai went to the same church for two years before we started dating. Which means my future wife was observing me for two years. Some of the time I was actually taking other people out. So she was watching how I honored other people. And we're making her, her, her assessment of me based on what she saw. She, she'll tell you this next week. She said, you know, at, at one point, I thought he had some secret, like, wife that was a, a missionary in Haiti. <laughs> because this guy treated himself like he was already married. None of the girls in the church had my number. If they needed to get in contact with me, DM me on Twitter. They wouldn't know, uh, Instagram wasn't DMing back then. But it was literally like, no, no. And here's what I learned, and I learned it from a wise pastor. If I treat myself with the purity of if I was already married, 
when I finally do get married, I don't have a bunch of people to cut off. I don't have a whole bunch of life shifts to make because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And by the way, I said you need to get around in groups. So they sent 12 spies in, not one. Some of us, we trust our own ability to make decisions too much. You trust yourself too much. And what you don't understand is you get one sniff of that Gucci cologne. Oh, oh, take me to your leader. You lose your mind. You need wise counsel around you that is able to say, I know she's fine, but something is off. And I'm not talking about your homeboy that wants to date the same girl. No, find you. <laughs> Some of y'all be listening to people that they got motives that are not for you. Don't get caught up in, you know, I just, you know, I don't like putting, here, can I give you the new light everybody wants to tell? I don't like putting my business out there. I don't want everybody in my business, you know, like, we can just talk and all that, but we don't need everybody to know what's going on. You're shady, that's what you are. <laughs> and you don't want people to hold you accountable. Because chances are your intentions aren't great. First John chapter one, verse five says this, God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. If we claim, I love God's word. Because just because you claim something doesn't make it true. Amen. If we claim we have a relationship with God and we're shady, we're lying and not acting truthfully. But if we live in the light in the same way as he is in the watch, watch this, we have fellowship with, what's that last word? God. Hmm? It says, oh, live in the light and you have a great relationship. No, no, no. It says when you live in the light, then true relationship can happen with one another. Oh. Oh. Somebody say stay out of trouble. No, that's okay. You meet him the first time, out that night, in bed that night, you'll never get to know that person because you only find out who someone truly is when you are out in the open and in the light. And when you start off right, wrong, and then you end up down, you're not who I thought. You never gave yourself a chance to find out who they really were. So if you're single, you need to spy out the land. Guess what? If you're married, you need to spy out the land. Continue to spy out your spouse. And I'm not talking about in a stalker creeper way. You need to continue to learn your spouse. Watch this. They sent 12 spies in. 10 came back and said, nope, there's giants in the land. We can't take it. Two came back and said, this is God. Let's take it. Same land, same spies. Some just looked at it with a critical eye and some looked at it with an eye from God. You continue to spy out your spouse after you marry, you just only spy them out for their issues. And they're pro I can't believe they did this and you did this and did that and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, whether you're keeping a marriage thriving or you're rebuilding it, listen, 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 listen. I've been doing this for a long time. Step number one, get around some other people. There's something about those connect groups or going out to dinner with friends. You and your spouse, you all need friends outside of just you. I'm just always, I'm having fun. That's why it becomes a problem when you start dating and you cut off your whole circle. 
It's just me and my boo and all we need in this life of sin is me and my girl. Well, you shouldn't be in a life of sin in the first place, so that ought to tell you you're in trouble, right? You need other community. Now, by the way, anything I say about marriage that's negative, it has nothing to do with me and Zion. We have the perfect marriage. This is completely hypothetical. I got to go home, okay? <laughs> but married folks, you ever been in a situation where you were not speaking to your spouse? That's never happened to me and Zion except for last week. But uh, I'm not talking about like for three hours. I'm talking about like one of them three-day standoffs. You know, like it's a missile crisis type of deal. <laughs> And when I say not speaking, you're not crazy, so you're still cordial. It's a good morning. <laughs> you're like extra polite, and in all your politeness, what you really mean is you're dead to me. <laughs> I'm going to work now. Some of y'all, you were like that on your way to church today. You're driving in the car, you look back, and you're going, tell your father that we're running late. Homie's sitting right next to you. <laughs> And then what? This has never happened to me inside. This is completely hypothetical. But then you step into church or you hand into the in-laws house, you hang out with friends. As soon as you walk in, hey, how's it going? How you doing? <laughs> hypothetical. And then you're like, oh, you can speak, huh? Oh, you got words, huh? You ever seen your spouse treat somebody else well? Oh, so you do know how to act like you got some home training, huh? <laughs> the problem is you're watching them with a critical eye. When you get around other people, you're going to remember why you fell in love with them. Yeah. You're like, you know what? He is kind of funny. He can't be funny at your house because there's so much bitterness and stress and all that other kind of stuff. But when you get around people that they don't know the drama at home and you ain't about to tell them, so you're just going to fake it. All that faking comes out a little bit of who you really are. Like, that's what I fell in love with. You need to get around some other people. The second thing is this. I need to cultivate the land. After I spy out the land, I need to cultivate the land. What does that mean? I need to figure out what's my plan for taking the land. Notice, God promised Israel Canaan. He said, it's yours. Spy it out. Now go take it. You, you remember in, in the Bible where it says that they marched around the city of Jericho seven times? He said, walk around in silence and on the seventh time, shout for the victory is yours in the wall. Notice what Israel did not do. They did not go knocking on the door and say, hey, God said this is our land. When are y'all moving out? Just because he promised it didn't mean they didn't have to participate. Okay, so can I tell you what is not God? God told me you're my spouse. Can I talk for a second? Biblically, that is witchcraft. Oh, can I, can I go? Can I go? I'm having fun. Y'all didn't think I was going to pull out the wish for it, did you? Can I tell you why? The one of the Ten Commandments is do not use the Lord's name in vain. We think that means don't use God's word as a cuss word. Can I tell you what don't use the Lord's name in vain means? Don't attach God's name onto something when you're trying to manipulate somebody into doing something that you want them to do. Don't come, don't come and tell me God told you nothing because if he wanted to tell me, he'd have told me. And he didn't tell me. <laughs> so you need somebody to say, make a move. So you've been spying out the land. And by the way, it shouldn't be any longer than three months. If you're spying for longer than three months, you are now a stalker. That's creepy. That's weird. You need to make somebody say, make a move. Let me, it means you need to ask them out on a date. Hey, what are you doing on Friday? I don't even care what you're doing on Friday. Change your plans. You need to come out with me or whatever it may be. Be direct. 
Not, oh, we, we talking. What, what does that mean? I mean, we, we talking. You know, how often do you talk? Yeah. I mean, every night for three hours. No, y'all are dating. Call a spade a spade. Remember, we're children of the light. If it doesn't work out, guess what? It didn't work out. And as long as we didn't cross any boundaries, there's nothing wrong with it. Now, there needs to be a period where you are dating and enjoying each other's company, and he is paying. This is the United States of America. This is not the Netherlands. We ain't Dutch around here, okay? <laughs> well, I mean, this is 2020. That's an antiquated thought. I got money. I think a woman can pay just as much as a man can pay. You can tell what I think about that already. <laughs> Sisters, I, I, I don't pull the spiritual father card very often, but can I be the pastor of this house for a second? Hear me. Men only value what they pursue. If they don't pursue it, they will not value it. God made us that way. And I'm not saying to play hard to get and, oh, no, I don't like you. Is he looking? Is he looking? Is he looking? I'm not saying to do all that. But I'm saying let him be a man. Let him step up, ax you out, dip in his pocket and let you know how special you are to him. Yeah. Oh, Pastor, but I mean, he's just shy, he's just passive. Guess what I found about the most passive shy man in the world? When he sees what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> how you, I just feel the anointing of God. Instagram DMs is not asking somebody out. Don't respond to that foolishness. If you wanna ask me out, come up like a man and say, hey, what are you doing? Would you like to go out or whatever? Maybe I'm having a whole lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. Can I take it a step further? If during your spying out season, there is zero indication that that individual has any interest in you, what made you think it would go well when you asked them out? The whole spying out period is, are they interested? I mean, when you walk in the room, they should at least. If they don't even look up. I, I was dating this girl before PZ, and I didn't date a lot of girls, but this one girl, and my mama didn't like her. And I've learned if mama don't like her, chances are that's just not the one. But my, my mama knew I, I have a little rebellious. So she knew if she told me she didn't like her, I'd date her for another three months. It's just kind of how I was wired. I was talking to her with my mom one time, and my mom was like, what do you think? She said, Stephen, I just want you with a woman that likes you as much as you like her. And she walked. You know how hard it is to hear? They just not feeling you? But here's the thing. Why would you be infatuated with someone who doesn't think that you hung the moon in the sky? when there is somebody out there who thinks that you are the greatest thing God has ever created. Don't be desperate. Don't be needy. Don't be anxious. If that ain't the one, move on. And when it is the one, make your move. Take them out. No Netflix and chill. We're not, because somebody say, I practice so I can play. I can't tell you that this isn't even like, obviously we know sex outside of marriage is sin and it separates us from God. 
But outside of just morality, just practically, it jacks us up. Because here's the thing, when, when you're sleeping with someone, but you're not married to them, you are practicing the way that you play. Scientifically, when you have intercourse, there's actually chemicals that are released in your body that you become addicted to. So you're literally becoming chemically addicted to something that you are not allowed to have. Hmm? Well, it's okay, we love each other and we're gonna get married eventually, great. So you get married, but you are still addicted to what you're not allowed to have. The only thing is your spouse is now someone that you are allowed to have. And then you wonder why we cheat. Oh, you know, we get that practical in church. <laughs> Hear me. Infidelity is never okay. But oftentimes we've trained somebody to be unfaithful by giving them access to something when they weren't allowed to have access to it. We have to understand the way that I practice is the way that I'm gonna play. So there needs to be a season where I'm practicing purity. Oh, it got real quiet up in here. Where I'm practicing pursuit. Genesis chapter two, verse 24, can you throw that up there? The Bible says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What does that mean? That means when you're married, you still need to be dating. It says that you should leave your parents and that you should cleave to your spouse. What does that mean? That means that your spouse should be the number one priority in your life next to God and that you should pursue them. You start practicing that when you're dating, and then you actually live that out when you're married. So maybe, hey, we didn't do it right. We didn't start off right or whatever it may be. That's all the way good. You need to get back to dating, even if you're married. That's actually a very awkward question. When's the last time, married folks, you had a date? Well, I mean, there's that one time we ran into Sam's Club together. Does that count? No, can I give you the definition of a date? No kids, out of the house. You don't have to spend money. You could go walking in a park. You could go hiking. You can do it. When is the last time you spent time together? There was this secular uh, a study done on marriages, and what they discovered is the first five to ten years of a marriage was usually the best time a couple ever had in marriage, the period before the children came. And there's nothing wrong with children. The Bible says that children are a blessing to, from God. But there's something about when the kids come in that if our priorities aren't established, they throw us all out of whack. <laughs> the least, excuse me, the least satisfying season in a couple's marriage is when the children are in junior high or high school. Because that's the season when all the extracurricular activities are going on, the kids need a chauffeur, they can't drive, and all this stuff. And it says during that season, it's usually when the husband sends all of his focus on career, and the wife spends all of her attention on the children. You do that for 18 years, they move out. They said after the kids leave, it's a little bit more satisfying than when they were in high school and middle school, but it never goes back to where it originally was when you first got married. Hear me, God never designed something that starts off good and goes downhill from there. The problem is we've gotten our priorities out of whack. Because we've gotten our priorities out of whack, we've missed out on all that God has for us. Maybe you're in here and you're a blended family. The kids were there before we got married. 
or maybe you're in here and you're a single mom or you're a single dad. One of the things that, that, that is dangerous about being a single parent or a blended family is, is in that season that you did not have a spouse, the kids can take an unhealthy priority in your life where they're, they're now my focus and they're now my attention. Can I tell you, if you're in here and you're single mom, dad, and you have kids, kids are still not your number one priority. You are. Yeah. Pastor, that sounds selfish. What's selfish about making sure your kids have a parent who's fulfilled? Yeah. Hmm? who's complete, and then somebody else enters into the equation, and they know from day one, I always play second fiddle to the kids. That is not God's plan. But here's the problem. We let guilt drive us. Because we put our kids in a situation that we didn't want them to be in, or, or that we regret, or whatever it may be, we try to make it up for that by putting them in a position that God never designed them to be. And without even realizing it, we're setting it up to feel, boy, it is hot up in this room. But I'm telling you, you apply some of this life, it will bring joy to your life. Kids are a temporary assignment. If you do it right, they leave at 18. <laughs> If you do it wrong, 25, but at least they're gone. <laughs> Hear me, I love my children. I only put them on Craigslist once every month. I mean, they're just, but it's literally like, no, 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 no. This is God's priority for our lives. Last thing is this, write this down, write this down. I need to establish the land. Deuteronomy 11 verse eight says this, therefore you shall keep every commandment. Somebody say every commandment which I command you today that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. I wish I had time to preach this, but I don't, so I'll just tell you. Before Israel crossed into the promised land, God, me, me, me and my daughter Zoe and Roman, uh, I took them to Chuck E. Cheese for the first time in their life. And I, was, I, don't, I don't know, I was just pumped. I was excited to introduce them to, to Chuck E. Cheese. I just feel like there's something about, about going to Chuck E. Cheese for the first time. And right before we went in, we were in the little foyer and I lined them up and I, and I got in there and I looked at them and I said, all right, Zoe, Roman, listen, okay? We're not gonna hit anybody. We're not gonna run away. We're not gonna flop on the floor and scream like we've lost our mind. We're gonna have a blast. And then when we leave, we're not gonna cry. We're not gonna spit venom and say, Daddy, you hate me. Why are you making me leave this place? Because I will grab you by your foot, drag you out here, and it's Chuck E. Cheese. Nobody will care. <laughs> and guess what? We went in, we had a blast. We start heading out the door, one little tear comes. I said, Zoe, We set some vision before we went into the promised land. God lined up Israel before he went into Canaan. He said, okay, listen, you ain't going to have no idols in here, okay? You're not going to covet. You're not going to steal. You're going to keep the Sabbath. And he said, here's why. If you do that, not only do you get to go in, but you get to stay. And he says, not only do you get to stay, but your descendants, your children, children are going to inherit the land. What was God saying? He said, before you step in, you need some vision. Because just because you get in doesn't mean you stay in. And just because you stay in doesn't mean that you prosper. And just because you prosper doesn't mean that it's going to be passed on to your kids. If you want generations to be blessed as a result of this relationship, we're going to need to come into agreement about some things. Yeah. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision from God, 
the people run wild. But those who adhere to God's instruction know genuine happiness. Let me just say this plainly, married folks. If you're married and there's no happiness in your marriage, I promise you one of the reasons is because you're lacking vision. He has one direction for the finances and you have another one. He has one opinion of how to raise kids and how to deal with in-laws, and you have a different one. The Bible says in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can I tell you the answer to the question? No. (laughs) It's a rhetorical question. God says you got to be on the same page if you're single. There's a time just to observe them. There's a time to date and to enjoy, but then there's a time. Okay, what's your credit score? (laughs) <laughs> there's a time to say, hey, what, well, where are you going? What are you building? What do you believe about finances? Where are you in your faith? Talk to me. We got to figure out, are we heading in the right direction? By the way, whether you're single and you're having that discussion with the future spouse or you're married, hear me, hear me. Don't let your fear or past trauma Dictate the vision for your future. Let God dictate the vision for your future. The Bible says what God has set together, let not man separate. We always think that means all these skanks, stay away from my man, stay away from my wife, or whatever it may be. No, 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 here's what I mean. God, she's not sitting there, but if she was there, God put me and Zai together which means I don't have the right to dictate how our marriage is gonna go because I didn't put it together. It's God, what's your vision? When you're talking about vision, if it's mine or hers, you'll never come into agreement. If it's God, what's your vision for our finances? God, how do you want us to honor our, our, our parents that are aging and need to be taken care of? God, what is your plan for our children, for our finances? As long as it's me or her, we'll never walk together. But when it comes to God, what do you want us to do in this area? He will bring you together in a way. Maybe you need to get marriage counseling to be able to have that conversation. But I'm telling you, when you take those steps, and not just one time, but over and over and over and over again, your relationship, your marriage is going to look the way that God said it should look, going from glory to glory to glory to glory, where every year is better than the year before. Let's pray. Father God, we are great God, we're thankful that, my goodness, you didn't just die on the cross and leave us here to make it up as we go along, but God, you said you're taking every single step with us. God, you're giving us wisdom. All your promises are yes, and God, in this moment, we say amen. We want it. We want your best for our lives. Just where you are, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. Maybe you're in here and you're, you're dating someone and you realize, man, we started off wrong. No biggie. Backtrack and start over. Maybe you're married and you said, man, it's been a long time since we've been building this thing. No biggie. Show yourself grace. Show your spouse grace. Let's make a decision. Hey, we're going to start building from this moment on. Maybe you're in here and you realize for the first time that pastor... I can't say that I have a relationship with God. You know, so often we get caught up on, do I believe in God? And quite frankly, in America, everybody believes in some version of God. The Bible doesn't say believing in God makes you a Christian. It says, no, making him the Lord of your life, having a relationship with him. So I'm asking you today, not do you believe in God, but have 
Do you have a relationship with him? See the Lord of your life. Maybe you're in here and you're like, Pastor, I don't even know what that means. I just know I want all that God has for me. Well, here's what the word of God says. The second that you open your heart to God in that moment, he steps into your life and takes every single moment of life with you. And on the other side is an eternity with you. If you want that, if you're in that room, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that my sin can be erased. Today, I surrender. I invite you into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person making the greatest decision ever? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.